Welcome to episode 17 of the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for Olympiakos FC and Greek Super League football. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with Adi Bulubasis and Lambros Sirmos, as well as our special guest for today, Martial of Olympiakos France, who you can follow on Twitter at OlympiakosFR. That's Olympiakos with a K. Martial, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. And hi to all the, the, the people that will listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're very happy to have you and uh, we're looking forward to your insight. So before I get into anything, I do just want to ask you, obviously, you've got a pretty big following on Twitter. Folks, this man is followed by none other than Matthew Valbuena on Twitter. So we have a lot of French players in the team and some other French-speaking players from places like Senegal and whatnot. So just we are just interested in, in how you got started on social media and how you've gotten such a big following uh, over there. Oh, it's um, it's mainly by uh, speaking directly to the players because you know in Twitter the the biggest part of Twitter is is that it allows you to to speak directly to players. So when I started, um, I I was putting videos, pictures of the players, and sometimes they want sometimes to retweet the goals. And that's how I get to uh, have so many followers because, for instance, when uh, Pap Cissé came or when Madi Kamara came, they were not very famous. And I had mm -hmm. just to put like one or two goals. And, and then all, the, all the, the players from Hajaxio, for instance, were retreating the account or all the African fans. And it's little by little. And then you end up being with more than... 5,000 followers. Yeah, I also noticed that Matty Kamarat, I think, tags you in some of his tweets. It's yeah, kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah, can it's very interesting. Have... That's and so I'm cool. Very, yeah. I'm very lucky because, there, as you said, there is a lot of French-speaking players. And it was not the case, I think, like five, five or six years ago. I also yeah. had a bit, a bit of luck when Michel came to uh, Marseille a few years ago mm. because he, he was not very well-known in France. So I had a lot of questions. You're definitely one of our favorite Olympiakos-themed accounts on social media, always oh, making us laugh. And, uh, and also interacting with the players is really cool as well. So we're really happy to have you on. And uh, before we get into some real meat here in the podcast, I do want to make some usual announcements, probably stuff folks that have listened to every episode have heard, but got to get it out anyway. Uh, as far as special guests go, we will be joined by Agona Sport and Hellas football contributor Greg Gavalas on Wednesday, October 14th. Greg does the famous forward reviews of Super League weekend matches. As an Ike contributor and supporter, he'll be our second non-Olympiakos guest on the midweek Greek football series as we begin to connect more communities throughout the podcast. On Sunday, October 18th, we will be joined by Konstantin Devoyanis, returning special guest from Olympiakos EU. And we will also be joined by a correspondent from Marseille, who you can follow on Twitter at Mohamed Ali underscore nine three as we do some pre-match analysis for Olympiakos versus Marseille, which we will also talk about with Martial today. On Wednesday, October 21st, we will kick off episode 8, I think, maybe 9, of the midweek series with Michael Vicini, who you can follow on Twitter at Michael underscore Vicini. He is another writer from Hellas Football, and he is a supporter of Larissa, so it will be a very nice surprise and interesting take from him on the Super League. Finally, on Sunday, October 25th, we will be joined by Deo Boras of Agona Sport. He's an Olympiakos correspondent, 
has written a lot of articles commenting on various issues relating to Olympiacos. We are very excited for that one. Additionally, one last thing I would like to say, thank you again to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting, whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at www.piraeusintl.com or give them a call at 410-675-4696. And with that, I just do want to go over a quick review of some of the Olympiacos players who were in action for their national teams in the friendlies, just very, very quickly. Um, there were some official games today in the Nations League, but as far as I know, besides Greece, I don't think any Olympiacos players have featured. First of all, Ruben Semedo played for Portugal for the first time, although it wasn't an official competitive match. He played at center back for Portugal in a friendly this week, and he had a pretty solid performance, completed 39 of 43 passes, obviously mostly out of the back. He did attempt two long passes, both of which were successful, one to Cristiano Ronaldo and then the second out onto the right wing. On defensive duels, he was 0 for 2. The first one was a fast break down the left flank from Spain. Ball split from the left side through the defense. Semedo was tracking back, and the ball was played perfectly back to Omo. Semedo challenged the ball. Bobbles back to Omo with no shot getting off. Semedo clears it. Second duel lost. Ball played down the left flank overhead. 2v1 for Semedo. Challenges the ball in the air and appears to clip Omo in the head. He got a yellow card for that. He was 4 for 4 in aerial duels. Two in the defensive zone, two in the offensive zone. One almost led to a goal in the offensive third. And he also had four recoveries and one clearance. Ioannis Kosti, who has been loaned out by us, I believe, did play in the first half of a friendly for Cyprus. Didn't really do much offensively, but he had two interceptions and five recoveries. Youssef El Arabi, the king of Qatar, continues to be on his amazing run, scoring in a friendly against Senegal in 17 minutes as a substitute. They won the game 3-1. Uh, that Senegal back line was consisted of none other than Cissé and Ba at the back for Senegal. So unfortunately, El Arabi's goal happened against those two, but Ba played the full game, 58 of 65 passing, primarily from the right side. He was 5 of 6 on defensive duels, 2 of 3 on aerial duels, and 4 of 5 on loose balls. 2 for 3 on sliding tackles. Three interceptions, 14 recoveries, and two clearances. Cissé came on as a substitute, played 38 minutes of football. One of one on defensive duels, three of three on aerial duels, and one of two on loose balls. Five recoveries. He did have a bit of defensive lapse on the second goal. Bob pressured the player with the ball. There was a very slow pass. Cissé could have stopped it, but he lost his footing and let the ball go by. On the third goal, Cissé was called off of El Arabi. El Arabi breaks past on the free kick and scores. Additionally, Madi Kamara featured in a friendly for Guinea. They won 2-1 against Cape Verde. He played all 90 minutes, but we don't have any analytics for that one, unfortunately. Yeah, Peter, the Madi Kamara situation is interesting, too, because his international teammate, Keita, and their, I believe, Guinea players tested positive for coronavirus. Madi Kamara actually took a flight this evening from the country and is now back in Greece. Uh, we hope he doesn't have coronavirus. That would be very bad for our upcoming Champions League campaign. And if he does, hopefully he's okay. So he's back in Greece. Hopefully he doesn't play again. 
or he's not going to play again, that's good. Um, hopefully he comes out healthy of all of that. Yeah, a lot of Liverpool players getting coronavirus, it seems. I wonder if that is related with Keita getting it. But either way, we are happy that Mahdi is uh, back in Greece and hopefully all negative tests from him and everything is okay. Olympiakos, obviously, without some of their main players, also did play some friendlies while the break was on. They played Kania to, and beat them 2-0. Hassan and Sudani scored the goals, so we're very happy to see Sudani off the mark. And then Hassan, it was probably a cheap, easy goal at the end of the game because it's Hassan. And then they also drew 0-0 against Levadiakos. We don't care that Hassan scored. No, it's not. It's, a, it's an afterthought, I would say. Anyway, on to the important stuff here. Martial, I know you are a Marseille supporter, I believe, secondary to Olympiacos and, and are very familiar with the team. Obviously, we've drawn them in Champions League, and I was just wondering, what are your thoughts about the draw? How do you think that we match up against Marseille? And uh, additionally, what are your thoughts of the group as a whole, if you have any, with Manchester City and Porto also in there? Well, I would say that for Olympiacos is both a good and a bad draw because... Um... I think it's all open for the second place and uh, it will be probably, it will be decided by, by one or two points to who will be the second and who will be the third. So it means that Olympiacos could easily be, could be second or also fourth. And uh, I think that last year we all knew that uh, the competition will be against Vesda to be the, the third team. And now... Uh, we have to compete against Porto and Marseille, and we, giving the the work that Martins is doing, uh, I have good hope that we can uh, end up second. But every point will be very, very important, and that's why I think it's both a good and a bad draw. Speaking about Marseille, I think that um, we should not forget that Marseille reached the Champions League with the premature end of the French Championship. So. There were second, but uh, there were there were ten game ten game left. So we clearly have a, a good chance to to win all one uh, of the two games against Marseille. Maybe the two games. Martial, I wanted to ask, um, you know, because we had spoken briefly about Marseille. I think it was last Sunday, and uh, we noticed that Marseille seemed to be in a bit of a form dip. Uh, they had drawn or lost most, if not all, of their last uh, few games. I know it was three draws and one loss in the last mm -hmm. four games. The loss was against Saint-Étienne, Drew Lille, Drew Metz, and then, of course, the red card with Dimitri Payet last week against Lyon, 1-1 as well. Was the international break something that Marseille fans were looking forward to? And was this, like, slump of form, four-game slump, was this uh, a concern? Yeah, it's a concern, but it's way before the international break because... Um, I think that Villas-Boas, uh, he, he doesn't seem to want Marseille to play well, but they play very efficient. So they ended up being second because they had a, a, a good defensive system. And if you take a look at the, at the victory against Paris, it's a very poor game. And uh, if you take a look at the, the draw at Lyon, it's a very poor game. And um, I think that Marseille is way better when they don't have to to do the game. I don't know if it's the correct expression in English, but when they don't have the position and they have to when and when they wait in defense, that's how they they are better. But the way of playing is very hopeful. And you have to, you could ask to any French football fan 
they will tell you that Marseille is probably one of the worst playing team in France, but it doesn't mean that uh, they are the worst team, but they are giving the quality of the players they had, they should do better. I, I was just going to say they have some quality players that people will know. Thalvin, I believe his name's pronounced, and Payet. But at yeah. striker, it, it's quite poor. Mitroglou is out the door, it seems. And the Argentinian, I think Benedetto isn't perceived as the best striker. That's maybe an area that we can we can look to exploit. Yeah. I know a lot of times in the Champions League, we get burnt by top-class strikers, such as last season with Harry Kane and Lewandowski. Maybe that's an area where we're, we're, we're graced to face a poorer striker who's not so clinical. So even if we do make a mistake in one of these big games, you know, he, he won't finish a chance as clinical as Lewandowski or Kane. Yeah, that's very true. And also, the, the right-back and the left-back in Marseille are very, very poor um, because they have Amavi and uh, Sakai, and they have only one right-back in the bench, which is uh, Nagatomo. And I, I, I don't think that Nagatomo will be uh, a starter at Olympiaco. So we have cl clearly a chance to, to take advantage of this. If I'm not mistaken, Dakin Mark say sold one of their right backs to Bayern Munich recently. Yes. Bunasa. Yeah. Yes. And it's interesting that uh, you mentioned how the season being cut short might have affected things. Obviously, Lyon, who made a, a big run in Champions League this fall, ended up finishing seventh, I think, and they're not playing in Europe at all. So it's obviously you make a good point that that and early end to the season certainly affected things. And if you take a look at uh, Lyon's squad. They have uh, way more quality players, such as Awar, Depay. Uh, in Marseille, the, the star is Dimitri Payet, but we yes. all know that his fitness condition is very, very, very bad. We can say that because he's very fat and he doesn't <laughs> run a lot. But he doesn't have to run a lot. But I don't know in, in which condition he will, he will come to the Olympiacos game because he, he gets two, two game suspension. So he will miss the, the two next game. The next two game of Marseille. Yeah, I, uh, Marcel, I wanted to speak to your comment about the wing backs. Uh, you, you know, you had said that they weren't that good, and when I was watching a little bit of film and different uh, situations that Marseille has been into, I watched uh, uh, forty-two different uh, defensive scenarios. I guess we'll call them uh, where the fullbacks were attacked down the wings, and that was an area that I thought. Marseille looked very vulnerable on. So um, it's nice to confirm that that seems to be kind of a weak area. I just noticed that it looked like teams were having success, success against Marseille when they were going down the wings. Amavi and Sakai don't look, they don't appear to approach defensively on that side in a technically sound manner. And what I mean by that is I see Amavi, Amavi doesn't position himself very well. I see him instead of trying to push players on a break out to the touchline, out to that. Uh, end line there, he put he pushes them in. And then guys like uh, Kaleta Carr, if I'm saying that correctly, and Gonzalez, depending who's switching in the center back, have to end up covering and making the tackle there because Amavi's not pushing them outside or containing the player. So that's kind of some things that I noticed while watching some of those games. Sakai, I thought maybe was, you know, if he was more effective, it was only slightly so similar. So the, to me, that looked like an area and that we really should exploit. The problem is our wing play for Olympiacos this season hasn't been that good. Aside from Valbuena and some inconsistent appearances with Radejevic, we don't really have wingers that seem to be able to exploit these weaknesses. 
Yeah, it's it's very true because um, I think that if we put uh, last year Olympiacos against this season Marseille, I would bet for two victory of Olympiacos because we we all know the game of Timikas and how he, he made the the wing backs better. Is the main uh, the main work of Martin this season is to recreate something like that with uh, Vinagre and uh, Rafinha, but. If you take a look at uh, all the French game in Ligue 1, you don't even have to, you don't even have to go to have a, a very good uh, left back or a very good wing back to be dangerous against Marseille. And we all know that Valbuena playing playing against Marseille, so he, I bet he, he knows very well the the way of playing of the of the team, and I think that he will use it to to be to be very good. Yeah, this is some. Uh, I, I have more of a cultural question about the club less analytic. Marseille, I guess, is known as a tough city and a tough club, and they have great fans. And I know Matthew Valbuena doesn't have the best history, I believe. Did, could you give some background on maybe the club's history? The fans are, are great from what we hear. And also, what happened with Matthew Valbuena? And if there were fans in the stadium, how would he have been treated? I think Marseille, that it could be compared to a Greek club because, you know, the city has a Greek history, but the fans are... For me, the best in France because they have a, a very good uh, fans culture. The stadium is always full. You have a lot of pyro show. You have banners, something like that. Concerning Valbuena, he, he was an idol in Marseille and he left for Russia. And one year after that, he came back to France, but he went to Lyon, which is a, a rival club to Marseille. It's like going to uh, from Olympiacos to Aec or to Paok, for instance. And that's why he ended up being uh, whistle when he came back with Lyon. And I was in th in that game, and it was very, I don't know what to say, but you you had um, a small Valbuena in the in the stadium. I don't know what to say in English. Um, the fan created a, a small version of Valbuena, and they were hanging the small version of Valbuena in the in the stadium to show <laughs> that he he was a, a traitor. Oh my God. And in, That's it, even Greek level. It made a lot That's... of noise in France because it was maybe the first time that something like that happened. But it was very, mm. very tough for him to... And, and I think that it's because Marseille fans were still in love with Valbuena. You don't react like that when you are indifferent to a, to a person. That's true. I mean, and we've seen, especially in Greece, we've seen players get that reaction from fans when they go from a rival team to another rival team and... Things like things like that. So it's uh, it's just very. I'd never heard of that though. I didn't know that happened, especially in France. I didn't think that. Uh... Uh, it's it's on Google. If you if you take a look, you will see the the small version of Albuena on the, <laughs> on the stands. That's hysterical. we might have to tweet that out from the podcast account. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, we're definitely yeah. gonna have to. Um, I wanted to ask you also Martial about the specifically about the midfield because I'm concerned about this midfield matchup reason being um you know Vias Boas uh Portuguese manager uh I know he relies heavily on work rate from his midfielders now obviously we have midfielders that also have a very solid work rate so how do you see this midfield battle going uh I know personally uh Bubak uh, when I've seen Bubakar uh Kamara play he covers a lot of space. He covers a lot of ground. But is he that that six for for Marseille? Is he more of that kind of 
uh, enforcer, that bulldog that's going to be going and winning the balls? Or is he more box-to-box while guys like Sansong or Rongye kind of try to cut those passes out? What is the, what is the relationship between that midfield trio? Uh, um, first of all, I have to say that uh, Kamara will be um, suspended against Olympiacos because he received a, a red card when Marseille last played Limassol in uh, 2018, I think, and it was the last game of Marseille in Europe, so he won't play against us. Um, to respond to your question, uh, I think Kamara is the, 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 the gem of Marseille because he started to play as a centre-back, but he quickly moved to the to the midfield because Trutman is, um, I think it's finished for football. It's finished yes. for the high level football. I, I think that Kamara is the kind of player that can do everything. He, he can, um, as I say, he can be a bulldog, but when he has to, uh, to, um, to make passes, to make crosses, to, to, to change the game, he's very good at, at this. And so I think he has no, no default. He just has to play more and more and more and, one day he will he will go to play for a better club because he can't he can't stay out of European level football for a long time and it's a very good thing that uh, for Olympiacos he won't play the, the first game because I don't know how Marseille will uh, organize even if they made um, Cuisance come at the end of the Mercato which is a very good player. Yeah, he it was very interesting for me because you know I watched. The last four games, I was watching Kamara in the last four games, and it seemed he was playing sort of different roles. I saw him on the ball a lot in some games. There were games I saw him play more but defensively. And, you know, as a, as a neutral watcher of the game, I thought he was fantastic on the ball. Downfield, his player metrics were incredible. But then there were some games it he was more of a ball winner and kind of playing more lateral passes, just distributing the ball wide. So I was kind of confused as to what his role was, whether that was something that was done, you know, Villas-Boas maneuvered the game, you know, managed the game a little bit separately with him. But I was that's why I wanted to ask you kind of what his role specifically was with that. But that's but, that's good to know, and we're very fortunate that he won't be in the game, the first game against us. And to be fair, I think that for a lot of players, we we don't really know the the main role uh, in this system because it's very hard to understand how Marseille play, especially in the offensive part, because Benedetto doesn't have a lot of uh, actions to to play. And, right. Uh, it was already the problem with Metroglou and it was a problem with Balotelli. It was a problem with Germain. And mm-hmm. I think it will be the problem of Marseille if they don't uh, resolve the offensive parts. And, uh, that's why I think Olympiacos has a good chance. No, I, I understand that. I mean, just in the last four games, they've played three different formations. Uh, against Saint Etienne, they ran a four-three-three. They ran a four-two-three-one against Metz, I believe, and then against Lyon, it was a four-one-four-one. Vias Boas is playing with all sorts of formations. He's playing with players, adjusting them in different areas. He's very, he's very much experimenting with this team, and for those. For those of the listeners that may not remember, Vias Boas actually coached Chelsea for like a month, and then he went and coached Tottenham for a while. And of course, some of the same complaints that you've heard Martial have were the same complaints he had with both those, or people had of him with both of those clubs. So 
Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how we match up. I have been looking at this every time I look at players, every time I look at game footage, I feel favorably. I think we can match up well. Now, it's not going to be an easy game. Marseille is scrappy. You know, they they can get results. They can get goals. We have to be very careful. But I think we can play. I think Olympiacos can play against Marseille. Yeah, because we we have the we have the players to be... Uh, we, we saw that last season that we... We were um, at a very good level in the sixth game, maybe five, because I won't count the the first game in Serbia because it was uh, terrible, and I don't I don't understand why Martin chose the, that team, but it's another problem. <laughs> and um, when I take a look at the, the the lineup of Olympiacos, I think maybe four or five players could play in Marseille, and that's why I think that we we have a shot to to take because. I don't know in which condition Marseille will come to Greece because they, they didn't play uh, Champions League for a long time. And the last time they played Champions League, they ended up with no points. And every person in France has this in mind because it's a, it's a shame for Marseille to, to make a, a zero point in, the, in Champions League. So they have not so many experienced players like us. So. I, have a, I have a question about... Um... Not Marseille in particular, but new Olympiago signing, Jan Envia. What, what do you perceive of him so far? What do, how do you think he's going to work out in the team? People have to, to know that when Envia uh, started to play for Rennes, he was quite like Kamavinga now. I mean, he was a very, very promising youngster. And I remember that the Rennes coach, which was uh, Frédéric Antonetti at the time, said that this player has a Champions League level of passing. And... This quote followed Mbila all around his career because he never fulfilled all the expectations, but he still have a, a good career. But we we all we all saw that in the first game of Olympiacos, he doesn't have the the pace or the the reach yet, so he's not ready yet to to be at at his best level. But I remember sometime maybe in the in the second half against Ammonia, he had some good passes and. With one touch, he can change all the, the game and going from one side to another. And I think it, it will be very precious, but um, it's very difficult because Olympiacos didn't have a, a clear uh, preparation this summer. And uh, I think it's, very, it's a very bad thing because the first game were quite awful due to, to that, I think. I agree with you, but I also think the expectations of him were... A little bit outside of his skill set because he's very good in possession. Very doesn't give up the ball very cheaply. He works very hard. Hard. He's a very he's a prototypical six, uh, from what we've seen from the tape that we've watched from the player data that's available. But there was this expectation. Uh, again, we were spoiled with Guillerme on this that he had a little bit more Madi type of downfield playmaking ability. That vision to cut those passes out. The, long, the very long passes. And it, it's not that I want to say that he can't do it. It's just not something that he does very often. We see what he's good at and we know what he's helpful with. I think he definitely has a place, of course, in our Champions League squads. So th I think he'll be much more effective and he'll look better in context with those games. However, when we're playing in Greece and we're playing against the majority of teams who are just going to park the bus behind us. Yeah. We need midfielders that can 
kind of stretch the field, look to cut those through balls, get behind the defense, get the balls into the wings. And that's not something that seems to be in his skill set. I still think he's a good signing for us. We needed another six after Guillerme left. It's a shame. Guillerme is going to have that bar really high for us because he really did more than what a six was. He was really good on the ball and he had that downfield vision, which isn't something that we were. It's not something that you usually get out of a six and it's ruined that position now for a lot of fans. Everyone expects to have that when it's not really realistic. So I think Mbile in the long run is going to be a solid player for us. You're totally right. And I think that it was a shame to see Guillermo leaves leave but um, this year we have a more complete midfield because we have Mbila, we have Buchalakis, we have um, also Pepe, Thiago Silva, we have a lot of solutions and I, I also don't forget um, Ambrutos because I really like the kid and I really hope that Martins will give him some some time because as well, as you said uh, it could be very precious against a uh, small team in Greece like Pascanina, Yep. Uh, Paritolikos, Larissa, and all those teams that park the bus and wait for the game to be completed. And that's why Guillaume was very good because he was perfect in Greece, but also in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very difficult to find a player coming from abroad and being very good against a Greek team because we all know the organization of Greek football, the pitches, uh, and on, on all the stuff that can influence the performance. But let's see, I think maybe after the, the first break, it will come back better and uh, all will be, will be better for the team. Absolutely. The, the team still needs time to gel. We pretty much got three important pieces right at the deadline and they still have to, they still have to come together. So I think, I think it'll be fine. So should we, uh, should we talk about the Greece national team now? Unfortunately. With, uh, briefly. Just, just, yeah, might as well. Marcial, you're you're gonna have to pardon our, our lack of enthusiasm here. Uh, we wanna we know we have obviously a lot of listeners who care about the ethniki, and sometimes it's just a bit hard to watch, to be honest with you. And we have very high expectations for the team. Now, uh, they had a friendly that we briefly touched on on Wednesday. Obviously, we didn't have any match stats for it. And then uh, the Greece versus Moldova game, which Greece won two 0 has just concluded. Marcial, I think you said you watched the Moldova game. What were your just overall initial thoughts just straight after the game's uh, completion? And I, I think that this 4-3-2-1 uh, system should stop right now because it's a fact that you can't put Mantalos and Bacacetas in the same team because it doesn't work. The main issue for me as a neutral fan of Greece, but I watch almost every Greece match, so... I know a little bit of uh, about Greek football, but it's a shame that every uh, coach doesn't know how to find the best system to put the offensive player in the in the best condition. I mean, in, right now you have a, a very good striker such as Funtas, which is scoring day after day, and also yep. Pavlidis is scoring. So you have mm -hmm. to build to build something around those two players, and then. We, we saw last season that Bacacetas was good in Turkey in a particular system. So why you why not trying to reproduce the system of Bulut uh, in Anyaspor? Because we right now we have good left backs. We have a good goalkeeper. Uh, Greece has also uh, quite a good midfield, even if I'm not a big fan of, of Corbelis. And we just, Greece just need a right back. And also Van Schiep needs to... Uh, to find his defensive system because he 
you can't try central defender in every game. You have to, to build something to be good because we all know that a defensive system that is working is a defensive system that is put in, in, in various games. So you can't, ex you can't exclude players every time and trying out new players because it won't work. Yeah, I personally think the selection of Savelas as a second center back was a bit eye-opening to me. And then obviously the right back situation is also pretty dire. But Savelas is really a player that I thought had pretty much finished his career with Greece. And uh, to see him at center back, just as you say, there's no consistency at that position. I would so much rather see a young player like Nikaridis there because he's been solid for Pauk in both in the European competitions as well as domestically. He did have that own goal that was really unfortunate, but it just sets the baseline for the, a pairing that can be there for a long time. And I think that's probably something they should try out instead of just putting old men who aren't natural center backs there. Yeah, you are totally right. And uh, I would say that uh, Mihail Lidis, to be good, he needs, he needs some, someone uh, around him. And we all know that this someone is Siovas. It, it, it can be another player because we don't have actually a, a top centre-back available to play for Greece except Manolas and Siovas. You're not wrong. No, you're not, you're not wrong at all. And that's kind of been part of the frustration with this national team with Van Schip is that, you know, he, as much as I don't mind him kicking out players that are issues in the locker room, he's kicking out a lot of important players and... I, I almost feel like he's trying to reinvent the wheel, as it were. Uh, I wasn't here for the podcast on Wednesday, and you know I saw that game, and even though it was a friendly and I told myself I wasn't going to get frustrated, I got super frustrated during the game. I, it took a day for me to kind of calm down and think of things in a logical perspective. Vimo had a really good point on Wednesday that the friendly really shouldn't be judged until we see what happens you know, in today's game, of course, and then the game coming on Wednesday. So that being said, we did have, we do have some metrics now from that game. And I think there were a couple of things so far that Vanship did learn from and some maybe not so much. Now I am okay for the moment with Zavellas as a stopgap. I didn't think he had a horrible game today. He scared me a couple times when he pushed a little bit too far forward. His ball skills are not that good for anybody to be comfortable with that. And I think he just needs to, for now, just stay in the back and play the ball at the back. But during the friendly against Austria, you know, he, he completed 41 out of 50 passes, 4 out of 10 long balls. He had one or two giveaways that could have been dangerous, but they weren't. One defensive duel, 8 out of 10 aerial duels, 1 out of 2 loose balls, 7 interceptions, 6 recoveries, 7 clearances. That's okay. That is pretty good for a center back, especially somebody that's kind of playing out of position. We will accept that. So Zavellas being picked for this game without somebody like Stafilidis, it's kind of understandable. We know now Van Chip's pattern is very visible. He wants at least one ball playing center back in there. He has to have one. Has to have one. And if he's not going to have a guy like Siovas, who I don't really think is the best ball playing center back, but is a very solid center back, you know, he's going to have one of these two guys. Svarnas is next to him. Svarnas is an up and coming player. He had one interception, five recoveries, three clearances, one, all of his defensive duels, three out of four aerial duels, one loose ball. He's going to be there. Svarnas is clearly going to be that key guy. He just needs somebody that's a little bit better playing the ball at the back. So there were some things that we learned, even with. Lambropoulos being tried out at right back. 
Did he do okay there? Yeah. Ish. Was he better than Bakakis? Statistically? No. More of the same. But we learned from that. And then he tried um, Hadzidiakos there. I thought he did okay today. Um, but the question I have is, why Why in God's name is Rota even on the bench then? We got to see a little bit of him today. But why are you playing all these players out of position when you brought this guy? They're just don't even include it then. Don't even include Rota if you're not going to try it. So it's very frustrating because I think there are things that he did learn from the, the friendly. And then there's just things that I think he completely passed by. And I have another question. It's why uh, Kitsu is not on the list because how many better right back Greece has at the moment? Because Rota came back to, to first division like months ago uh, because when he moved from Slovakia to Netherlands. But Kitsu is a, quite a solid solution uh, to wait until we Greece has a, a better solution. And I don't know why uh, Van Schiep doesn't call him up. That's fair. Well, I think part of the reason is, you know, he can't try out anybody new at that right-back position unless they've played center-back their whole life. <laughs> you know? And, and also, we all know that the, the main solution will be Red Sauce if he managed to, to be a regular player in Saint-Étienne because none of the center-backs that Van Schiep tested are better than him. Yes. So, Let's hope he stays right. healthy. Let's hope he stays yeah. healthy. And also, Mavropanos uh, just recently had his debut in Stuttgart. He has problems with his health. He could start as well. And if Retzo started playing, I, I would assume he would go in at right back. I remember at the end of, was it Skibbe's tenure? He he was playing again a little bit at right right back. So we'll see what goes on there. But just a comment on Zavellas. I, I It's 2020. He's 33 years old. He plays in Turkey, I I just don't get the point. If you're not going to call up Manolas, Socrates, but you're going to call up Safelas and play him, I just, I struggle with that. Um, I understand playing younger players instead of those guys, but at thir but 33-year-old nothing players, I, I, I struggle with that. I really do. And I just, I, okay, he's played decent these past two games, but it's just, there's no future there. Well, what is Savelas going to do for us in Qatar? If we make it to Qatar, nothing. So what's the point of playing him? It, it, it doesn't make sense to me personally. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I would have much rather, especially because these are Nations League games. They don't, let's be honest, there's really not much consequence. Yes, it can put us in, depending on our seating for the groups, yes. But they are glorified friendlies. I would much rather see maybe Michalidis with Varnas or another youthful CB duo build together it, it you know because i don't think it could be that much different than having zavelas and svarnas next to each other and also it's mainly because uh, probably because there is the the 121 team that it's uh, chasing the qualification and uh, if you take a look at the the squad maybe a player like nicolau could be in the in the call up of von Chip because mm -hmm. he's playing in the second division of italy and I think it's a uh, left-footed centre-back and maybe it could be playing uh, with Mihailidis or I don't know, Zvanas maybe. But uh, the, the, the issue that, to be, uh, that needs to be solved is the Silva's issue because I'm a big fan of Manolas, and, but he was, he was never very, very good with Nitniki. 
but Silvas is a, a top center back for Greece if you want to go to the World Cup. So yeah. I think it's something that can be fixed between Van Schip and Silvas and with no camera or with no journalists and between men and men and for the national interest. You would hope, but unfortunately Van Schip for me has been acting like a child. And I think he has an ego and I don't think he's going to let that go, to be perfectly honest with you. So, I mean, I think what we're seeing, this is what we're kind of, this is what we're going to see with Van Chip. I don't think he's going to change. I think this is what we're going to see out of the defense. So whether it's successful in the long run, we'll find out. But, you know, this, it is what it is. Now, at the very least in the midfield section, Van Chip finally seems to have learned that Corbelis and Bukalakis can't play together. I did not want to see that experiment again against Austria. We saw it. I didn't like it. Uh, Zeka always has to be on the field with, with either Kurbelis or Bukalakis. Zeka is the workhorse. Even in his short half uh, on the field in against Austria, three out of three defensive duels, one out of two loose balls, four interceptions, two recoveries, one clearance. I mean, his his work rate speaks for himself for itself. We need to have him on there so that a guy like Kudbelis and Bukalakis, who can actually play a little bit better with the ball, have some space and then can can get the ball forward. Personally, I think Bukalakis is a little bit better than Kudbelis, but you know, the, I thought Kudbelis did okay today, and I'm not going to begrudge the midfield because I thought the midfield worked very hard today. Now, everything else, I don't think Van Chip actually learned anything because. You know, he likes playing center backs as right backs. He likes playing fo center forwards as wings. And he plays arguably our most creative and our best player as a false nine. Also that he can make way in the midfield for some uh, some players, let's say, that are not I, I'm not the biggest fans of. So that these are the things that I don't think he learned. And these are going to be kind of the failures for me with respect to this game. Madalos frustrated the absolute hell out of me today you know there will be greeks mark my words there are going to be greeks as soon as i get on social media that said oh van ship did it again we won again pectares pacasetas madalos pectares no for 45 minutes we could not break down moldova okay there was no gorgeous running on the ball bacasetas didn't dribble on any defenders nothing it took a red card being a man down and a pk for us to get the lead on moldova and then what happened after that we almost conceded a pk and almost went 2-1 with Mo it's unacceptable it is unacceptable anybody that is happy about this game i don't know what you watched and i don't know i don't i can't say i think that you know soccer because that first half should have scared every single Greek national team fan with what we watched. It was pathetic. And I, I'm i willing to give Van Chip the benefit of the doubt and wait and see what happens, but I'm scared. I am very much scared that this national team cannot do it. Yeah, this game was really just a combination of boring and upsetting for me. Uh, going into this, we obviously all said a 1-0 is not good enough, a 2-0 is not good enough. Look at the players in this Moldova team. No disrespect if we have any Moldovan listeners, but you look at the teams that these players are playing in, the clubs that these players represent, they're playing in Azerbaijan, Romania, countries that, while, you know, obviously they're all European countries, but 
Greece, we have players in much bigger teams than the Moldovan national team does. The first half, it was just a, a lack of creativity, a lack of risk-taking. You have Mantaros out of position where he just doesn't, doesn't look good. I'm not insulting him necessarily as a player, but out on that wing, oh my God, him trying to cross a ball, not great at all. Him trying to get into the final third, he looked sloppy. He had some bad touches. That's just not where he needs to be on the pitch. He wanted to be central the whole time. Yanudis, who had a solid game, I think, going forward, had some really nice runs. But Yanudis was left by himself out on the left wing. He was basically playing as a winger. And that's in part to Mantaros sort of uh, not really doing that well on the, on the flanks and wanting to be a central midfielder. You've got Bakasetas, who I think played better today, but better compared to his previous performances that we, uh, we usually are not very happy with. And he did have an assist. It was a good ball, but you know, he needs to be more, he needs to be more creative. He needs to do more things that are not just standard and expectable on the part of the Moldovan defense. He needs to be able to break them down and just take risks. Even if it means you don't succeed every time. The fact just without all that two zero against Moldova, not good enough, especially. Yeah. could have been two one. We had the whole second half against a 10 man Moldovan side. 10 players and we got one goal it was so boring i was falling asleep almost like oh my god it's just uninspiring and yeah like you said adi if people are happy with this result you really have to question what those people want from greece this is uefa nations league c in 2004 greece won the euros the entire euros and now we are happy about Winning 2-0 against a UEFA Nations League C team. like A 10-man. 10-man yeah, UEFA Nations C with, team. With 10 men. I just, I can't. I can't do it. Like, this is, this needs to be better. We need changes right away. Tactical changes. And I think it would make the team better. This team has the capacity with the players from Greece right now. This team has the capacity to do so much more than beat Moldova 2-0 and beat Kosovo 2-1. Also, Peter, uh, you know who else thought that Bacasetas and Mantalos couldn't play together? Ike. Ike also thought they couldn't play together. That's why <laughs> Bacasetas got sold off to yeah. Turkey for like a million euros. So John Van Chip isn't really uh, proving something we haven't seen before. How did that work out for Ike? Not so well. So Maybe we should get John Van Chip some Ike film from back when they were playing together. Maybe, maybe shed some light on the situation. But I don't want to dwell too much on that. Speaking of Ike, obviously we do have Greg Gavalas coming on next week, so we might go into some of this stuff a little more and see his take on it. But I think uh, we're we're sort of running down on on time here, uh, Marcial. I know it's very very late for you where you are, so we do want to just say thank you and um, you're welcome. And before you go, uh, I do want to ask: Is there anything that you want to uh, promote here on the podcast, whether it's your social media accounts, where we can follow you and keep up with you, or anything else you've got planned? No, I would like to promote the, the podcast himself, himself because it's a very good idea to, to speak about uh, Olympiacos, even in English, because it's not that easy for me to speak in English because uh, I might be stressed to speak uh, in English. And that's why I, I, make, uh, I make some mistakes, but it's very no, it's good. Okay. And no, it's okay. No, it was great. It's a very good idea to, to have an Olympiacos podcast. I'm quite alone in France. To <laughs> And so I think that uh, in the in the US and the Canada or UK, it's easier to find a, a Greek uh, 
related people to speak about Greek football. It's quite hard in France, but I'm not desperate. <laughs> well, we really appreciate the uh, the kind words. And um, obviously, we know you're doing a lot to sort of connect those communities on Twitter. So, um, you know, keep up the good work there. We Thank always you. enjoy seeing your tweets and whatnot and interacting with you on there. And uh, don't worry about the English. It was great. You know, we have uh, we have guests from all over the place and uh, it was nothing to worry about. So all good there. With that, I think we're about finished up here. We are always appreciative of the listeners to the pod, especially if you've made it this far. Feel free to continue sending us feedback on social media, Gate7INTL for, I think, everything. And uh, leave a review if you want to, whether it's a good or a bad review, and we'll read it out on the podcast for you. With that being said, we thank you all for listening, and we will see you very soon.